Well, this week uh, is, on the 29th, is a day that is considered Day of the Christian Martyr. And it's, it's the day that um, many believe that Apostle Paul was, was martyred for his faith. And so uh, June 29 is the day that we can think of others that have lost their life for the sake of the gospel. And so um, Voice of the Martyrs is an organization that is promoting Day of the Christian Martyr, and they, they really want churches to be um, praying for other Christians around the world. They want us to be praying and, and, uh, and being supportive of, uh, in prayer. And so they, uh, they sent a, a sermon outline, and so I'm going to go use that through that today. And it's going to be from uh, Romans 10, and it's starting in 10, and also going to, to verse 17. So we're going to be looking through that, so I encourage you to be opening your Bible to that. Um, but they, they wanted me to point out this as we start this message. There's a, there's a big difference in the words sent and went. Now, it might not seem like a big difference because sent and went are only one letter different. And very similar, you can to send and to, when we are sent and when we went somewhere, right? They're both verbs. But they have a they have a stark difference. Went is the past tense of the word go. And sent is the past tense of the word send. While both have, they are showing action and movement, there is some differences. Basically, I can never send myself, right? Can I send myself? Um, Someone has to initiate the action of being sent. And so, I can go, I can choose where I go, I can choose when I go, I can choose how to go. I can choose not to go. I can choose what to do when I arrive and the place that I am going. I can choose nearly anything associated with the action of going. Notice all those eyes. Lots of eyes. But being sent is another matter altogether. Someone else chooses to send me. Someone else chooses my destination. Someone else chooses my mode. Someone else chooses what I do when I arrive and what place which I am sent. Biblical disciples who have surrendered fully to Christ, and I hope that is all of us, we have a daily responsibility of taking up our cross and following Christ as being sent beings. Now, Abraham didn't simply go to a far-off land. He was sent by God. The 70 followers of Jesus didn't simply go on a trip in, in Matthew. They were sent as sheep among the wolves on their mission from Jesus. When Saul was blinded, Ananias didn't just wander into the presence of Saul the most notorious persecutor of the Christians of of the time, he was sent by God. Maybe you're familiar with, in the 1950s, 
there was some, some people that went to Ecuador. And Nate Saint, Jim Elliott, and some others, they didn't simply just go on an evangelistic endeavor. They were sent by Christ to this tribe in Ecuador. And as we're going to see later today about a young man who didn't simply decide to go on a mission, he was called and sent by Jesus to bring the good news of salvation to, to the people of North Sentinel Island. And what is it about being sent that we need to be more fully comprehend and be obedient to? So we're going to look through this idea of who is sent, and then why are we sent, to whom are we sent, how are we sent, and what are the results from being sent. So, who is sent? The very meaning the apostle, of the apostle in the Greek language is, is the one who is sent with orders. This is applied to the disciples that Christ selected, including Paul. So, Paul describes himself numerous times as being an apostle. And we can see that in the beginning of Romans, in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Timothy. But in, in Galatians 1, 1, Paul fills this meaning with some specific information. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who was raised from the dead. One who is sent with orders, not sent from man, but sent through Jesus Christ and God the Father. So see that difference there? He wasn't just being sent from a church or sent from people. He was sent by God. And then uh, in 1 Peter 2.9, the Apostle Peter also uses this language of being sent. And he says that we have been, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, the prophet Isaiah in, in Isaiah 6, he gives this explanation of being sent by God with this beautiful response. He says, here I am. Send me. And this was after his eyes were opened and see, have saw the majesty of, of God and his throne. And so his response was, here am I, send me. Jesus, he sent his followers. And we see in, in Acts, he sent by the power of the Holy Spirit to cross boundaries, to make disciples of all nations, is the Great Commission in Matthew 28. He sends his followers to model his own mission from being sent from the Father. He also sent his followers to announce that the kingdom of heaven is near. So Jesus' instructions were given to ordinary people, like you and me, ordinary. But he gave them an extraordinary purpose. He called them from being living lives of fishermen, tax collectors, and other normal kind of backgrounds. He calls us from normal, regular things. Very few were counted among the spiritual elite from what, who, 
who Jesus called. Maybe Simon the Zealot or Paul the Pharisee, would. some of those might be considered spiritual elite. But yet he called, many he called were sent on his redemptive mission his, and obediently trusting in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So in reality, these people were no different than you or me. We're going to see a video about a man named John Chow. And to live in obedience to him, I think that Jesus is worth it. He's worth everything. In 2018, with the backing of his missions agency, John went to North Sentinel Island. He knew the risks, but his passion for the North Sentinel leaves and his desire to be obedient to Christ drove him forward. Sitting in the boat, getting ready to go ashore, John penned a final note and a challenge to his family. You guys might think I'm crazy in all this, but I think it's worth it to declare Jesus to these people. Please do not be angry at them or at God if I get killed. Rather, please live your lives in obedience to whatever he has called you to, and I'll see you again when you pass through the veil. The eternal lives of this tribe is at hand, and I can't wait to see them around the throne of God, worshiping in their own language as Revelation 7, 9 to 10 states. I pray none of you love anything in this world more than Jesus Christ. Within hours of writing those words, John Chow was killed by the islanders. John believed that the measure of success in the kingdom of God is obedience, and he would be obedient to God's call, no matter the cost. Who will pay the price to go to every tribe? Voice of the Martyrs is an organization that put together that video and this, um, this information. But they are, they are honoring or remembering the sacrifice of John Chow this week. And, the, and we ask not just to remember him, but to remember that he, he is, was obedient to Jesus. The, the mission of Jesus, um, he, I mean, he said, you guys think that I'm crazy. And probably a lot of us do. Like you, you knew there was a high chance that you would be killed. But he said, it's worth it to declare to Jesus these people. It's worth it. And he says that he's going he's to see other Christians on the other side when we are all in heaven together. It's worth it. He spent nine years training for a moment to be a witness of Jesus Christ, to be obedient to His calling. So, in Romans 10, uh, verse 13, we're, we're going to answer this question of why are we sent? Why are we sent? And there's this, Paul is, is laying out this, this natural, this logical progression. So why are we sent? For those who call in the name of the Lord will be saved, it says in verse 13. Then, so how then will, will they be called on? 
for those who have not believed? Well, the belief is expressed by the calling upon the name of the Lord. So people, when they call on the name of the Lord, they will believe. And then how are they to, to believe in Him who they've never heard of? Hearing about Christ precedes belief in Christ. And John Chow was sent to a group of people who have never heard the message of Christ. And then verse 14, how are they to hear without someone preaching? Without someone telling them about Jesus? Hearing about Jesus demands a voice of proclaiming the good news, proclaiming the message of Christ. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? The obedience of this uh, biblical discipleship is, is proclaiming the message of Christ is fundamental to the end result for calling those who are, for those who are calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. Being sent indicates that we have received the message ourselves and trusting in Christ, Jesus our Lord. Can you see this pattern in your own life? When you've come to faith, if you've accepted Jesus Christ and you've come to faith in Christ, who was the one that was sent to share the message with you? Who specifically are you, are you sent to go share the gospel with? We've been talking about neighboring the last few months. Who are you praying for? Who are you sharing the message of Jesus with? The hope in Christ alone. Also, then it says, um, the next part, it says, to whom are we sent? So if we look at this, this text in verses 13 and 14, there's a lot of they in the text. So in Romans 10, 13 and 14, so let's think about who the they are. How then will they call on, in those in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they, they have never heard. And how are they to hear about someone without someone preaching? So who is the they? Who is the they in this message? In what Paul is talking about? Well, there's, there's a couple options. The they might be referring to the first part of this chapter where he says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites, is that they may be saved. So maybe he's talking about the Israelites. This would, be, this would answer a question of they. Um, but is it only the Israelites? Uh, the other option of they could refer back to uh, verse 13 here. And it says, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So this would... This position, the they, would be everyone who does not meet the first step in Paul's progressive logic. Those who have not yet believed. This would remind us that people from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation, are among the they. That's what it talks about in in Revelation. There's going to be people in heaven worshiping Jesus, the King. And they're going to be from every tribe, every tongue, from every nation. So this they 
includes our local neighbors who don't believe yet. It also includes our global neighbors who don't believe yet. It could be anyone. And that's why our job is to be prayerful and seeking out to be a witness for Jesus. Now, John Chow exemplifies this passage in Scripture. He was an ordinary Christian young man who saw God's heart for the Sentinese people. Seeing them through God's eyes captured John's affection. And John obediently responded to God's call by becoming the one sent to share Christ with them. Remember, he was sent, he didn't just go. He didn't just, he didn't just go because he thought he should go. He went as being a sent follower of Jesus on a mission. And John prepared for years. He prayed earnestly for these people. He obeyed regardless of the personal cost. He joyfully surrendered his life to bring the, re, the, repent, sorry, the rep, redemptive message of God to these people. He joyfully surrendered his life so that they could hear the good news of salvation, so they could hear for the first time about Jesus, who we can put our hope in. So, to whom among the they is God attuning your heart, attuning my heart? Maybe it's an individual. Maybe it's, it's someone that you know, or maybe you haven't met them yet. Maybe it's a group of people in your community, or maybe it's a group of people in a different part of the world. Are you going to say yes to the mission that God is calling you to? Are you going to be obedient to walk across the street and talk to somebody? Are you going to be obedient to do the preparations if God is calling you to go somewhere to another place? I hope so. And then the next part is, how are we sent? How are we sent? So in Romans 10, verse 15, we are sent proclaiming. Look at this. It says, And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So the word preaching in Greek leads us to visualize one who heralds news, who publicly proclaims the gospel as it pertains, as it pertains to it. Therefore, we don't associate the activity of preaching here in, in Romans 10 with the formal, long form of communication that a pastor preaches from the pulpit. It is simply an open public tr- proclamation of the salvation that's found in Jesus our Lord. So this is not just talking about, and it's actually not really referring to preaching like what we think of preaching. This is talking about proclaiming. This is talking about letting people, let, as ordinary, regular people, we are talking, we are proclaiming, we are sharing the good news of Jesus with people that don't know it. That's important. Because if we think it's just about uh, come to church and the, the pastor will preach at you, that's not going to do it. We need to have a relationship with someone. We need to, to talk to someone. We need to show people the hope that we have. Yes, some people come to church and find Jesus 
but it's about a relationship with people that they can see that we have hope in Jesus. We share our life with people, as we talked about in that neighboring series. So, Paul, the master missionary of the early church, tried various methods of proclaiming the gospel. And in Acts 17, it lays out three different ways. Reasoning, so one way is he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Gentile worshipers. Another way is he proclaimed the gospel in the marketplace. And another way is he discussed, discussing at the place uh, where there was uh, philosophers. And so he's going out to places where people were. Where, where people are, that's where he's going. He's not sitting at home hoping that they come knock on his door. He goes, he was going out. It's an active choice. And it's an active choice for us. How are we sent? We need to get out and go find people and not argue with people, not tell people that we're right and they're wrong. Listen to someone's story. Hear the hurt that they have. Why they don't believe in a God or they don't trust Jesus or they, whatever. The, listen. It starts with listening. People want to be heard. They don't want to just be told things. So let's listen. Just like Paul, going out to the places where people were. Yet Paul always stewarded the gospel with which he entrusted the boldly preaching of Christ crucified. And he proclaimed the power of the gospel that transformed lives. So he's not just, not just talking and listening, but then he's also proclaiming the gospel of Jesus crucified and Jesus rising from the dead and Jesus giving life. So he's giving the gospel. It also talks about how people that share the gospel have beautiful feet. Now that might seem strange to you, and we even have that on the bulletin today. Beautiful feet. I feel like that's supposed to be an oxymoron. Because, I mean, there are some people that say something about beautiful feet, but I don't listen when they talk about that because that's strange. But beautiful and feet shouldn't go together. And here, when Paul is talking about beautiful feet, he's quoting Isaiah. In Isaiah 52, and we have a song about this, how lovely or beautiful are the mountains on the feet of which him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings the good news of happiness, who, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, you are God reigns. This imagery of beautiful feet gives this context to this beautiful message of salvation. Paul also uses this imagery in Ephesians 6 to indicate that our feet are the, the way that we are sending the gospel, that we are showing the gospel of peace. And so, feet are beautiful when they are doing the work of God. When they are not just, when people aren't just being ordinary, but when they are doing extraordinary things for God. There is beauty in that. And we are sent with the good news. And the word gospel means good news or glad tidings. And God has offered salvation. His offered salvation is not just good news. It's amazing news. It's the best news. It's, the great, it's great news. 
This message of the gift of God's grace is, is more than just good. But it's for people. They need to know this, this message is for all people. And God's offered salvation is free of condemnation for those who are in Jesus. And it says that in Romans 8.1. And, and also in Romans 5.8, it talks about how God's offered salvation is born out of love for offering Christ as the atonement for our sins. Beautiful feet are those who are sent with the good news of the gospel. Are not necessarily, what it says here, soft or manicured feet. One of the non-resident missionaries working with the frontier native church planners, those giving their lives for the advance of the gospel, in one of the world's most difficult countries, this person often noticed the feet of the church planners that he met with. This um, slipped into a flimsy plastic sandals with feet that had blisters and calluses and were broken, broken or missing toenails, mangled toes or swollen ankles. Does that sound beautiful? No. Despite the physical appearance, of the frontline workers' feet, they were beautiful because they were the ones that were bringing the hope, that were bringing the good news of salvation to those who were dying and that, that had no hope because they didn't know Jesus. So then, what are the results of being sent? What are the results? In Romans ten sixteen. It says, in verse 17, uh, But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So, so the rejection of the message is one of the options. What are the results? Well, one is rejection. Some people are going to say, no, it's not for me. Some people are not going to believe. It doesn't matter how much you try to convince them. It doesn't matter what logic you use. They're not going to believe. And guess what? It's not your fault. But I want to discourage us from arguing about it. I want to encourage us from listening and talking and sharing rather than trying to prove and argue and fight. Say, I'm right and you're wrong. Because that doesn't help people realize they're wrong, usually. <laughs> another, another option is there's the acceptance. Uh, acceptance of the message. And in uh, Romans 10, verse 13, it, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we see this, that there is acceptance in the message. And this acceptance of the message leads to Repentance. And also, acceptance of the message leads to a life, and life abundantly. You know, we know in John 10.10 10, that Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and life to the full, or life abundantly. And Jesus also says in John 8, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me 
Though they will die, yet they will live. So we have rejection of the message and acceptance of the message. But also, there's one other option. And one other option is persecution of the messenger. Now, Paul doesn't address this here. But we do know from historical records, not in the Bible, but historical records that Paul was martyred for his faith. That Paul died for choosing to follow Jesus and live a life for Jesus. And there's many around the world right now that, have, that, are, that are in danger or are being killed because they are following after Jesus, just like Apostle Paul or the other apostles. Many in the last 2,000 years have been killed for their faith. It, uh, there's a bulletin insert here today um, talking about what a martyr is. And I want to encourage you to read this sometime today. It's the first part of the, the front is talking about more of the story about John Chow. But on the back it talks about what is a martyr. It actually, the word martyr actually means witness. Uh, uh, martyrs throughout history of the church testified to the truth and power of Jesus Christ our Lord and believed that they should take that witness to others no matter the cost. The cost, when, when we talk about martyr, the cost was their life. So these martyrs, including John Chow, all shared a common passion for God. Their passion prevailed over their fear of the severe consequences of being a witness to others. Perhaps part of their passion came from knowing that the high price that Christ paid for for their salvation. When faith costs us something, it becomes infinitely more valuable. So I hope that that we aren't just sitting back and thinking about ourselves, but that we think about and pray for others. There's a, there's a prayer guide that we had last year, and there's a new one this year that's also in many of your boxes. I don't, might, we might have ran out, but if you want one, let me know. It's from Voice of the Martyrs, and inside there's a map. There's a map of the, the different countries in the world that we can be praying for those that are in persecution. And there's restricted countries, and there's hostile countries. And there's a description of each of these countries and how you can be praying for them. Um, and so you can, you can look at that and be using this as a prayer guide. I, I want to encourage you to not just pick this up and look at it once, but to pick it up and maybe keep it by your Bible or keep it with a prayer journal. And maybe take one week or one day, and pray through one country. Read about it, maybe talk about it as a family, and pray about the Christians around in these, in these places that are being witnesses for Jesus, that are, that are risking their lives for the sake of the gospel. So today our main idea is that God sends ordinary people who are surrendered to Him to accomplish His extraordinary purpose.
So just like we saw John Chow, just like we've heard of, of others, and we could be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, there's ordinary people. Ordinary people are sent to do extraordinary purposes in Jesus. They are sent to do whatever God is calling us to do. And maybe that means not going across the globe, but maybe that means going across the street. As biblical disciples who trust and follow Christ daily, we are sent by God, like John Chow, to those who are in need of the message of the gospel. We are not responsible for people's response to the message or to us as his messenger. Our calling is to be faithful, counting every possible cost that could include rejection, opposition, humiliation, physical abuse, or even death. And in the face of knowing the cost, we view Christ as worthy of of any sacrifice that we can make. Our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world, they're living and ministering on the world's most difficult and dangerous frontier mission fields. Exemplify that the type of obedience is for every day, obeying Christ no matter the cost. They might be marginalized, oppressed, abused, imprisoned, or even killed for living boldly for Jesus Christ. How can each of us be inspired today by their story of faithfulness? How can we pray for those who are living on the front, front lines of the gospel to advance in the world's most difficult and dangerous frontier mission fields? This reminds us to be praying for our missionaries, uh, Micah and Melissa Ward and their family, as they are in a country in Southeast Asia who is also hostile, hostile for the advancement of the gospel. So I want to, just, as, we, as we take, as we close today, I want you to think about this, how we can be praying. How can we pray for us that we can be faithful through the Spirit's leading? How can we be faithful? What, what is God calling us to do? How can, and we, how can we say yes in obedience to Jesus' call? And then also, how can we be praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters. And to remember to be faithful, to be praying for them because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And in just a moment, we're going we're gonna to have a response song called Oceans. And there's a part of this song that I just want you guys to, to, to really, as we're singing this song, I want you just to really be praying. It says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. And that's our reminder that the Lord is calling us to be obedient to Him no matter the cost. And that we would be deeper and stronger in our faith when we trust in Jesus And we are in the presence of our Savior. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the different people around this globe. 
around this world that are living as witnesses for you. God, whether that's in other countries, whether that's in our country, whether that's us, we hope that's us, that we are faithful witnesses of what you've called us to do and live and be obedient to your calling. And so, Jesus, we just ask that you would be leading us by your Spirit to do whatever you want us to do. And that even if it's hard, we would say yes to you, Jesus. Help us to have our trust that's without borders. And God, we pray that you would take us deeper and stronger faith in the presence of you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.